Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of CXCast. Sam Stern, joined by my co-host, Jenny Wise. Hi, Jenny. Hi, everyone. And we have on the phone, all the way from San Francisco, our colleague, Gina Ballwalker. Hi, Gina. How are you? Hi, doing well. How are you? Good. Thank you for joining us. So, Jenny, we're putting you on the other side of the mic to be a guest this week instead of a host. Because yes. uh, I wanted to talk to you and Gina about something new that Forrester has started doing that I think will be of interest to our listeners. So this might be too inside Forrester. But if you didn't know, if uh, give a quick rundown, we've had a long running methodology where we evaluate technology categories, the different vendors, the different offerings in the category. And we call it a wave. Think about comparing customer feedback management platforms, Qualtrics versus Medallia versus Confirmit versus Merit CX etc etc to one another based on a set of criteria and now as far as i can tell it seems like we have extended that methodology that way of comparing a category of technology to industries well the forester industry wave is formal definition forester's expert review evaluation of brands and the digital experiences that they deliver to customers. We're looking at those customer facing experiences and we're analyzing them across two components. The first is the features and functionalities that they provide to customers that can help them accomplish their goals. And then the second is the user experience. So how usable and easy and is all the content there that the customers need to be able to achieve their goals. And what that means is that we're now conducting assessments of customer-facing interfaces, sort of digital interfaces and experiences. And we are assessing them and mapping them, similar as we do yep. to our, our waves in a graphic, based on sort of two axes. So one, we're looking at the features and functionalities that these industries offer their customers and their experiences. And then on the other axis, we're looking at the user experience of those interfaces. Okay, so I could see that in a category, you know, take you know, financial services, uh, banking website, you've got to be able to check balances, maybe transfer money, pay bills. And if you're missing any of that as functionality, that's a check against you. But if you're providing any of that as functionality and it doesn't work that well or it's not intuitive, then that's a check against you. Is that kind of how it would work? So what we end up doing, just to provide a little more context here, is that there's these two independent components, uh, feature and functionality, user experience. And so we come up with a set of sort of specific criteria for industries. And then on each of those criteria, we will give them a score on how well they deliver against that very specific feature functionality. So for example, for retail, we looked at the checkout functionality. So if you have all of the key functionality that customers expect during the checkout process, if the number of steps in that workflow are easy enough or simple enough, if you allow for digital payment methods, then you'll score really well on feature right, and functionality. Right. And if some of that is missing, then your score will be lower. What about on the user experience side? How does that work in terms of evaluation? Yeah, sure. So I can jump in on that one. So with the user experience side, um, we basically follow what many of the listeners may know of as an expert review or a heuristic evaluation methodology, where we're really assessing the interface against anywhere from, I think, about about 28 to 32, depending on the industry, recognize usability best practices or rules of thumb. And we're looking for um, instances where the app may not be performing in the way that we would expect against those criteria. So the way that it works is it's a scenario-based review. So for each 
industry we evaluate, we select three scenarios that we know are typical of what users would be coming to that product to complete. So for example, um, in the banking industry, we might look at things like finding a recent transaction, which we know is a top user task. And we go through the interface, um, performing that scenario as if we're a customer of that company. And we assess the app in really five different areas. And those five different areas are search and navigation. So how easy is it for the user to get around the app and find what they need? Content. So does the app provide the right content at the right time in a way that it's easy to read and understand? Um, Progress and workflow. So does the app help the user um, achieve their goal through a streamlined path, you know, not having unnecessary or confusing steps? Um, And then error avoidance and recovery. So making sure that the app helps the user hopefully um, avoid errors in the first place, but when they do make errors, easily understand those and correct them. And then the fifth and final um, category we look at is what we call privacy and trust. So does the digital experience signal to the user that they can trust in the company? Um, And do they surface information about their security and privacy practices? Again, helping instill that sense of trust. So that's the, the kind of methodology in a nutshell on the user experience side. How much of that is universal versus industry specific? them are actually platform specific. So um, to give you one example of that is we have a user experience criteria under search and navigation around breadcrumbs. Breadcrumbs are extremely important if we're talking about a desktop website, but when it comes to a mobile app experience, breadcrumbs aren't necessarily a standard convention. So that might be an example where we would include that criteria if we're looking at a website, but not at a mobile app experience. And there's some others like that. In that scenario that you used to evaluate the website or mobile app or whatever it is. So you you gave an example of banking, find a transaction. Were these five categories, were they working well and in evidence along the path, the click path to complete that scenario? Is that kind of how it works? Exactly. So we're, we're working through that scenario end to end. Um, and as we go through, we're really, you know, kind of checking against these different criteria. So it's, it's interesting because it's very possible that we may go through um, a scenario of finding a transaction um, and things are relatively, you know, smooth because maybe the navigation has, you know, been really optimized to support that task, right? So they're, they're kind of elevating the access point to that screen, or maybe they've invested a lot in kind of the features. And, and the content that they provide um, related to, you know, searching for transactions and viewing transactions. That might be great. But then you may have another scenario like, say, sending a peer-to-peer payment where perhaps the bank hasn't really invested in making sure that that's a easy-to-use experience for their customers. And so often we'll, we'll see that a particular experience may perform well as it pertains to, to one scenario, but not so well with another. Um, and that can be quite interesting and, and also kind of helpful for the participating companies to understand. You both have done several different industries. Are there common themes across the different industries? Is there sort of a hierarchy of which industries are good at certain elements of the experience or sort of striking a nice balance between having all the features but having them work well or any any other sort of things that stand out like that to you? One, which was really a bit of a shocker to me, uh, um, I expected that when we looked at financial institutions, that one of the areas that they would score very highly on with the user experience assessment is the category of privacy and trust, right? Because when you think about a bank, I mean, and, and what you're trusting them with just in terms of your data and your money, you know, you would think that they would perform very well there. And we were pretty surprised in our banking wave that that was actually the category that every bank scored the lowest in, which, you know, particularly shocking just given kind of 
there's a heightened awareness and interest right now amongst consumers in you know how companies are using their data given a lot of the recent scandals that have happened. Yet we saw things like you know some banking apps don't provide any content at all related to their security and privacy practices. Other banks kind of bury it under a terms of use item in their navigation, making it very difficult to find that key content. Um, and then other banks have the content, but it's not written in a way that's kind of that plain language description that a consumer will really be able to understand and absorb. So, th- so that was kind of an interesting surprise from that particular wave. And then I think as kind of a general trend across the waves I've worked on so far, we definitely find that often companies really struggle to kind of strike that balance between having a robust feature set, but making sure that the design of the experience surrounding those features is strong. So we see things with the banks we evaluated in Canada, banks either scored very well in the functionality portion of the review, but it was a very difficult to use experience, or their experience was very easy to use, but it was incredibly simple in terms of the feature set that they provide. So that's been really interesting as well, just to see that there's not many companies that really strike that right balance. Yeah, that's a fascinating insight that you can either make the user experience work pretty well, or you can give customers the features functions that they expect and want, but you can't do both. Apparently, if you're a Canadian bank, um, (laughs) that's uh, something to work on. Good. And I I think from Forrester's perspective, we would argue you you can find that. (laughs) You can do both. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Focusing on those most important tasks for that channel and making sure that you really nail um, the basics of of user experience as it pertains to those key tasks. Yes, you are correct. Just because they aren't doesn't mean they can't. (laughs) And they should. And someone has a differentiation opportunity. Um, Great. Jenny, what about you? Anything that stood out from your waves? There's a few things. Um, I think it's interesting to look at the scores across industries, although, of course, it's not a complete apples to apples comparison because we're using industry specific criteria. But overall, from the ones that I've seen, the average score, if you take an average of all the scores that they get sort of for the the core criteria, um, tends to be in the 50s. Right. Which we can say isn't great. Right. If 100 is you have all the features and functionalities and all of it's really usable and enjoyable and zero is you have nothing and people still hate it because it's not there. 50 isn't awesome. Um, And then when we begin to look at industries and the, the spread, I think that's where it gets pretty cool. So when we looked at investment firms apps overall score, we found that the range of the companies we included only went from 50 to 63. And that's because when we looked through it, we found that most of them were appealing to the power traders and not for any of the incoming traders or younger millennials who are increasingly using these apps, right? So they're not appealing to this new market very well. Um, And so they sort of all fell in the middle. Then when we looked at retail, the range was from 30 as a score at the lowest to 76 at the highest. So we really do see that there are some best practices that are out there and use cases that are really working for customers where there are both really helpful features, including omnichannel integration and really great visuals to help people understand what products are. And then there are some that are almost and completely not usable. Can you give us the top and bottom there in the retail sector? So I won't say the exact ones, but yeah, oh. some of those that were best for uh, Home Depot and Wayfair because they have a lot of really advanced functionality, filtering capabilities. Home Depot has a lot of omnichannel capabilities right. um, and they also employ breadcrumbs so you can browse and explore, for example, and then the likes of Costco and some of these really big box retailers, um, their sites are still a bit of a catch-all 
that has really unclear navigation. It's hard to dive into product details. Some images may be completely missing or pixelated or you're unable to zoom in. And so there were a lot of both content errors as well as sort of progression errors and a lack of advanced functionality too. How should companies that are in the industry waves use this research? So the companies that are in the wave, one of the outputs that, that they receive and that's you know public to everyone in the report is an understanding of, you know, as you look across, for example, the different user experience criteria categories, where do they really need to do some work, quite frankly. So I think for them, this can really help as a kind of prioritization tool. So thinking about what usability improvements they need to make to really kind of, you know, up their game from an experience perspective. I think that's one key area. And then I think the other is just, you know, it gives them a benchmark as, as well, right, to understand how they compare to their competitors. And, you know, they're able to see, for example, oh, okay, so CIBC was really strong in content. You know, I should look to their experience as really kind of a best practice example as I'm trying to improve the content within my experience. I really like that. You, you get your own diagnosis and sort of uh, already jump started to making improvements by looking at, or did anyone really blow it out on that criteria mm-hmm. or that feature? Exactly. Either look to their example in the research or I could just go poke around on their website. And how should companies that didn't get evaluated, either they're in a different industry or they're in the industry but didn't get evaluated, how should they use this research? Why there are findings that are cross-industry. So for example, I was speaking with a healthcare company um, about how to create a personalized dashboard with recommendations. And you can look at the portfolio management features and functionalities of the investment companies, right? And so a lot of these can sort of cross over industries. So it's a wealth of best practices to look at. Also, why I'm a fan of this is that, you know, previously we would just benchmark features and functionalities in some reports. And like, those are great to have features and functionalities. That's what a lot of digital teams tend to prioritize. Did we launch this? And I think it's easy to lose sight of, can the customer use it? Right. Can they find it? Do they enjoy this experience? Do they have all the information to make the purchase? And so one of the ways any company can use it is to help temper the emphasis on features and functionalities with the user experience in mind. So yes, maybe I'm in financial services and I want to launch this really robust, you know, financial comparison chart. But oh, I, I look at this and I see that everyone scored really highly for this comparison chart, but the content score was almost zero for all these companies because the chart didn't function. People didn't know where to click. Um, It would freeze on the screen and people had to X out of the experience. Right. So let's make sure we get that right first before we launch it. Especially if your industry or brand didn't make it in looking for analogies in other industries to features and functions or scenarios that your customers are likely to go through is a good one, especially because it can probably get you a best practice or an insight about a design approach that might not be such a copycat way of doing it in your industry. Uh, Gina and Jenny, thank you. Thank you for joining us and, and walking through this methodology and this new set of reports. Listeners will post links to some of the industry waves in the show notes. You can check those out and we'll talk to you all next week on CXCast. Bye for now. Listeners, if you have feedback or questions about this week's episode, please email us at cxcast, one word, at forrester.com. And remember, your customer's perceptions is your customer experience reality.